1: There's no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen.
0: Thank you all for being here. I'm just going to ask the press to step out so we can begin our briefing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Mr. President, Mr.
2: President, should your son have defied the subpoena? (laughs) Did you watch? Did you watch? I'm
3: sorry
5: Welcome to the Sean Hannity Show, Hour 2, and I am here with Jeffrey Lord. My name is Rose. Hey, Jeffrey, how's it going? It's going very great, especially
6: (laughs) in the next several minutes here. Uh, My congressman, whom I call my favorite member of Congress, just happens to be Pennsylvania's own Congressman Scott Perry, the outgoing chair of the Freedom Caucus, who has uh, graced us with his presence today. Hello there, my congressman. How are you?
3: I'm um, well, Jeff and Rose. Hi. Uh, I'm the one who's honored. I'm you know I'm I'm the guy who's serving, but I'm thrilled to be on with you, the bringers of the truth.
6: Well, you have done so much for this country. Your service in the in the military uh, and Congress, and and certainly I know sitting at home all the time uh, how many of the slings and arrows that uh, come come your way from the professional left out there. Uh, and I, I just, you know, thank you for withstanding all of this. Um, this is who these people are. And I I, I thought uh, maybe maybe you could talk a little bit about, first of all, where we stand with the Republican caucus as we move into uh, the conference, as we move into uh, the new year. I don't know whether you know this, but I think 2024 is a presidential election year.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Um, and uh, you know, I know that these folks think that uh, in the media, aside from you folks, think that the the leftist regime is going to last forever and continue on the fundamental transformation of America. Look, we're going to have our challenges. We're going to be down to a two seat majority, and maybe at some point down to a one seat majority. Wow. Um, but but I will tell you, Jeffrey. For me, and I think probably for your listeners. I don't understand, and I don't get why that's hard. Um, we need to rein in government spending and the influence in the government in our daily lives. All Republicans should be for that, so that should be easy. We should be for securing our own border. That should be easy for all Republicans to uh, uh, to be on board with. We should be for impeaching Secretary Mayorkas for dereliction of duty and abject um, I don't know what you want to call it. It's it's not incompetence. They are doing exactly what they want to do, which is flouting our laws and, and ensuring that we have an invasion in this country that puts every citizen at peril uh, and in danger. So these should be easy, whether you've got a whole bunch of Republicans or you're down to a one-seat majority. Why would any of them vote against any of those things yet Yet we seem to struggle to get the votes for these these very simple uh, things that, quite honestly, Jeff, as you know um, and Rose, most Republicans ran when they ran for office. They said, if you elect us, this is what we'll do. And then when they get to Washington, D.C., unfortunately, some of them can't find you know, can't find their voting card or something, uh, they they just, they just refuse to do it. And I, I don't understand why. And I'm sure that...
5: We don't either. Well, you know, trust th- me.
6: Th- this, is, this is something, as you know, the reason for my silver hair is because I was a young congressional staffer back in the early 1980s when President Reagan was in office. I was working uh, on the House Budget Committee staff for Congressman Bud Schuster from Pennsylvania. And if I learned anything that that really stuck with me about this is... I mean, there is President Reagan elected in a landslide and doing very well, and he puts his program out there, and everybody on the Republican side is, oh, Mr. President, this is great stuff, great stuff, and then you get behind the scenes, and I was in some of these meetings, where it becomes crystal clear that the Republicans are saying, well, you know, in this instance, we need to add more money to A, B, or C, or fill in the blank, and I thought to myself, this is just defeating our own purpose so, I, I think this sentiment has been around for a long time, in it, and it just it gets me to see it. And I think you are seeing it close up
3: yeah, it it's it's very, very frustrating when you think that we're kind of all on the same page um and and you see your friends and your colleagues out running on the same platform, and then with the votes right in front of them. Um, you know, quite honestly, some of the turmoil, let's talk about some of the turmoil in the House of Representatives this year. The context is this. The Democrats and the left aren't interested in doing anything to save the country. They want to tear down what is America, what has been America, and and refashion it into something else. The only real fight to save America is on the Republican side. But, for instance, we're going to take in—well, last year, because we're in the new fiscal year already, but last year, taking $5 trillion in revenue and tax revenue from the American people— spending 7.2 so that's 2.2 trillion more than we're taking in one of the fights in january was because some of us myself included said hey can we just spend 7.1 instead of 7.2 <laughs>
5: <that was> <laughs>
3: fight right it's still 2.2 point 1 trillion over what we're taking in and then by by may uh, on Memorial Day, they even gave up that. And so, you know, heading into the new year, the Senate wants to even spend more money. And and the Senate includes some Republicans that'll go along with that. The American people cannot afford this government, as evidenced when they go to the grocery store. I say from lettuce right. to lumber, every single thing you buy is more expensive. And it's because of what's happening in Washington, D.C., and this insatiable appetite to spend your money even when your money doesn't exist.
5: It seems to be, that seems to be the problem. And, you know, I I love it when they talk about the presidential election and they talk about Joe Biden being too old. It isn't a matter of him being too old. It's a matter of high crime rates, high grocery rates, high gas rates. High, You know, you just name it, the border being so open. But I did want to ask you, Congressman, if you could give us some insight on something that just happened recently before you all took a recess, if you don't mind. And that was um, Mike Johnson. It seems out here for most people, I hear a lot of people talking, they feel like there was a deal made with Schumer. And, you know, we know that there was money for Ukraine. Um, there was an effort to aid abortion in a military. And then, and, and this one I think would be very dear to your heart, that temporary renewal of Section 702. And that's the FISA court that's supposed to surveil foreigners uh, and not us. But in the end, we find out that there've been a ton of searches on Americans' data So when we look at all of this, a lot of people are asking this question. Could this, A, cost him his job? I think the Democrats are just putting that out there. I don't think it's going to cost him his job. But in short, it did seem that, appear that he made deals with Democrats. Um, Then they recessed on Thursday. But before they all went home, they did pass that bipartisan defense policy bill over a lot of strong objections from 73 ultra conservatives. And so here's the thing. Is it did they put a hold on it because they didn't actually say, yeah, we're going to keep 702 as is, but they did put an extension on it. I think I can't remember. Is it until March? I'm pretty sure. Is that because it requires more time to take a look at? But you and I both know and you've been through a lot yourself that that the 702 is, is something that's so very important to Americans right now as it should be.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act meant for foreigners passed in 1978. And since then, you know, we had the 9-11 terror attacks in the United States of America, of course, just two months ago in Israel, 1,300 uh, Israeli and American citizens slaughtered, raped, uh, ravaged uh, by terrorists, yet uh, 702 didn't save them. In the meantime, uh, the, the FBI and, uh, and our law enforcement agencies in America are using it to spy on people that go to Catholic Mass or have the temerity to show up at a school board meeting and then get a threat tag uh, placed on them by our Department of Justice, uh, which is why I voted against that bill. And as a guy who spent over 35 years in uniform, I also voted against the National Defense Authorization Act. We had a good bill coming out of the House the Senate did not have a good bill, but we we named conferees. Those are the people that that do conference be, you know, the differences between the two bills. And I was one of the conferees. I got named as one of the conferees under some protest, but uh, you know, McCartney right. put me on there. And then we never met. And then they and then four people, two in the House and two in the Senate, decided what that was. We told the Speaker let these bills run separately, at least, so that the American people can see who votes which way? And of course, more Democrats voted for this package than Republicans, which is a very bad sign. And, um, you know, and I, I got yelled at by some of my Republican colleagues saying, you know, this is why we can't get anything done here. And I said, I don't want to do these things. I don't want my government spying on the citizens of the United States of America. If they want to spy on foreigners and keep us safe, so be it. But they're not keeping us safe and they're spying on us. So Um, With all due respect, I know that the Speaker was put in, uh, you know, during overtime, you know, down three touchdowns, and we all expect miracles. But I I will tell you, uh, you you anybody, whether it's the Speaker or anybody else, has to be willing to stand up to the Washington cartel, the Uniparty, and say no. You're just simply not going to do it. And and, uh, I know the pressure is very high, but the country can't take much more, and I think uh, Jeffrey and Rose, you all feel that. And I think that listeners on Sean's show feel that as well. Well, Absolutely. you know, one of
5: the things, too, about this uh, with Speaker Johnson, and listen, a lot of people will tell me off the record, staffers, everyone, they they like him. They say he's an honest man, a uh, man of principles. And, and I do think he's a good guy. One of the things that was said of this uh, by uh, Representative Mike Simpson, he said he's, he said of Mike Johnson, He's trying to satisfy all our conference, which I don't know that he can. And then he added, you have to remember, this is the first time he's been in this role. So, yeah, OK, it's not his for this is his first rodeo. But at the same time, that I think was alarming to us or disturbing on, on many levels, the surveillance, the, the 702.
3: Well, that's a, yeah. And why should he have to satisfy two ends of the conference? Right. That the problem is, is that there's a portion of the conference that not only wants to continue but actually wants to expand it. Imagine that wow. Republicans thinking that. Um, you know, the the section, I think it's called 540. We have 702 and 540, part of the Patriot Act, Patriot Act, which would compel anybody with a Wi-Fi connection. So you think of Panera or uh McDonald's or any place you go where you might pick up a Wi-Fi connection, they would be compelled to spy on behalf of the American government on their patrons. And yet that's what some Republicans in in the Senate and the House are asking for. And I just wonder, how do they go home to their districts and say, please elect me? We had 278,000 Americans spied on under this program that we know of, right? That's what was self-reported by the agencies illegally spying. And yet, somehow, they're countenancing not only continuing it, but but. Increasing it, it is it is unacceptable. I simply, I will always be a no vote for that. Oh uh,
5: I appreciate that very much. I think they cocoon in in D.C. and when they go yes. home, they they kind of hide out. <laughs> I really do.
6: Some of except, them they do, except for Scott. <laughs>
5: except for Scott, because he's going to be out and about this week. In fact, but go ahead, uh, Jeffrey.
6: Uh, Scott, I want to switch gears a little bit here, and I want to read you a story. Uh, the the first sentence of a story I saw, I think it was called Spotlight PA, and the headline. Says the Shapiro administration has canceled a planned upgrade to Pennsylvania's system for managing voter rolls, leaving officials stuck for the foreseeable future with a process and technology they say is outdated and inefficient. Um, you know, you add that into the mail, mail and ballots, and I think I saw you on Newsmax uh, last night uh, talking about this. Uh, g- give us your thoughts, just in general, on the election process in our beloved Commonwealth. We have a minute.
3: Well. Jeffrey, uh, as you know, just up until a few years ago, Pennsylvania, for for all its problems, and the Commonwealth does have plenty, actually had a pretty, cu- pretty secure election system. We showed up on election day one day and and cast our votes. You had to sign a book to say you know you were there and who you were, other than an absentee ballot. And unfortunately, our state Republican Party gave the Democrats every day everything they wanted which is essentially 50 days of voting with mail and and the Democrats of course have used that to great effect you know we Jeffrey you and I are represented by represented by Senator John Fetterman now nobody made the case that John Fetterman was the better candidate or was more lucid or was more experienced to do the, this very high profile very important job. They didn't have to make the case because they didn't care. They collect the ballots. They collect the votes. They go get them. The Republican Party, unfortunately, myself included, has to say, look, we don't like the rules of this game. We think you should show up on Election Day uh, with your ID in hand, prove who you are, prove you're an American citizen, and vote on that day. And if you can't, file for an absentee ballot. But those aren't the rules anymore. And so we have to play with the rules that uh, that we have. And unfortunately, when you have a radical leftist governor like we do in Josh Shapiro, who would like to be president someday. The- yeah,
5: that's what's happening. I mean, hey, listen, I, we want to thank you because Jeffrey and I both actually, I don't know if you know this, but I also live in Pennsylvania. So I appreciate you and what you're doing for our state and representing us. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Congressman Scott Perry, you're doll. We thank you. you. See you soon. Here. You're listening to The Sean Hannity Show. The phone number here is 800-941-SHAWN jeffrey lord rose unplugged we'll be back with you right after this stay with us more than a
2: movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies i'm your host alex fumero and each week i'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies from the godfather andy garcia
1: he has the smarts of vito the temper of sonny Listen to
7: Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport, and me,
1: Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.
0: Hannity's on right now.
5: Yeah, he is. This is the Sean Hannity Show. My name is Rose Unplugged, and I'm with Jeffrey Lord today. Check us out. You can check me out at roseunplugged.com, and also she is called by him.com. Twitter is Unplug. And uh, she is called by him on Twitter. And also Instagram is Rose Unplugged, the number one, and she is called by him. Jeffrey Lord.
6: And my podcast is The Word of the Lord with Jeffrey Lord and my website, thejeffreylord.com. And I'm also a contributing editor to The American Spectator and a Newsmax TV contributor. With that said, I want to introduce the great former Speaker of the House, uh, the Honorable Newt Gingrich. Uh, Mr. Speaker, welcome to the show. Uh, I have to say, I I always have a soft spot for you because back in 1976, when I was a a dopey candidate for the legislature in Pennsylvania, my campaign treasurer turned out to be your sister, Rob, Uh who kept saying to me, you've got to meet my brother. He's running for Congress in Georgia. And I thought, yeah, the, uh, the chance that a Republican could get elected in Georgia. And then a number of years later, there I was as a White House Reagan political liaison to something called the conservative opportunity society. And I would trendle up to the house. Uh, I don't know whether it was once a week or once a month. And, and you would help hold forth there. You and Jack Kemp and Dick army and others. And so if I learned nothing, it was to pay attention. So welcome to the show.
8: Well, I'm glad to be with you. And, uh, Robbie has always been very supportive and that's a great story, which I'll tell her about the next time
6: we talk. That's well, Mr. Mr. Speaker, I want to, I have your book here, uh, March to the majority, and uh, you know I've just started to get into this, but you you talk uh, about both the uh, the march that that got you to the speakership and making Republicans the majority for the first time in whatever it was forty years or some long stretch, and uh, also involved here I, I I thought you might like to talk a little bit about uh, immigration and how Republicans in the House need to stand firm on this. And I just to give you one little snapshot here, and I'm sure this won't surprise you at all, uh, the Washington Post ran a piece the other day uh, in which they quoted the mayor of Pittsburgh, a Democrat by the name of Ed Ganey, who said to the Post, we're not here to reject any immigration. As a matter of fact, we want to make this the most safe, welcoming, thriving place. And then he said that he does not make distinctions on the basis of someone's immigration status or how the person entered the country, saying, why wouldn't we want them? Uh, in other words, illegal immigration is apparently okay with these folks. I'll hand it over to you.
8: Well, no, it's it's clear. If you look at Biden's illegal immigration policy and Biden's illegal immigrants, uh, this is not an accident. This is, this is a belief that you ought to be able to have everybody in the world who'd like to come here uh, be, you know, enter the United States illegally. Uh, and now, of course, on the left, they also want them to be allowed to vote. Uh, and we're talking about a planet in which the Gallup poll estimated in their world poll that there were uh, at least 165 million people who would like to move to the U.S. I wow. suspect that number has gone up. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're living in Gaza or you're living in Ukraine or you're living in Lebanon uh, or, for that matter, Venezuela, and you think, gee, where would I like to be next month? Well, the U.S. is a lot better place just for the quality of life for opportunities for the economy uh and the question is one are we going to remain a country where the rule of law matters i'm very much for legal immigration clist and i are my wife clist and i are actually uh doing a series called journey to america celebrating uh legal immigrants who come here and make us successful but i'm equally deeply opposed to people who come here illegally because their first act is to break the law.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get your opinion on what's going on in Texas right now since we're on this subject because we know that the Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott yesterday approved new powers that are going to allow police to arrest migrants who illegally cross the border and it's going to give local judges there the power to order them to leave the country, they'll give them an option. You know, you either leave the country or you're, you'll go, you know, we're going to hit you with, you know, some sort of uh, fine or misdemeanor charge. So a lot of people are saying the opponents, of course, don't like it. They're saying that's too dramatic of an attempt by a state. Because if you remember, there was a 2010 Arizona law that they also didn't like. It was called the show me your papers bill. But anyway, that was struck down by the U.S. Supreme Court. But right now you're hearing people say this is an overreach for a state. Really, this is this should be a federal issue. But the, the feds aren't the people who are in charge of these kind of things aren't doing anything. And the people like Abbott and his, the people of his great state are suffering as a result. Isn't there such a thing as state sovereignty? And couldn't it apply here in this particular case?
8: Well, I think what what applies is the, that the state should have the ability to protect its own people. And when you have tens of thousands of people coming in illegally, uh, a number of them drug dealers, uh, some of them terrorists, and, and we do know that literally that they've picked up people on the terrorist watch list coming in the United States on the southern border. Right. Then a state, I think, has a responsibility to protect its citizens. And the amazing thing to me is that the Biden administration is madder at Texas for trying to enforce the law Mm -hmm. than it is at the illegal immigrants who are breaking the law. And that's because the Biden illegal immigration policy is the maximum number of new people showing up with the least possible problem in a way which is just going to undermine the whole country.
5: Yeah, it's so disappointing. But I love that he's—he has—he's forced. He really has no other choice but to take a stance like this. And he—I think the message that he wants to get out there is: Listen, you think you want to come over? And he's talking to the cartels too. You're not going to want to be bringing these people to the state of Texas, and maybe they'll think twice about b- before they go there. But it's just no one is taking—no one's taking charge on this issue. So God bless him for for his efforts.
6: What do you think? Well, Ms- go ahead.
8: No, but I mean, no, I say I think I think actually Biden has taken charge.
6: Well, I guess you're right. Legalization <laughs> policy.
8: This is what he wants. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right.
6: I think you're absolutely right about.
8: That. We are in a power struggle, and I just wrote a, a newsletter arguing that, in fact, uh, if you if you look at a new poll we just did at America's New Majority Project, which people can see for free by going to AmericasNewMajorityProject dot com, we do uh, every two weeks. you do a national survey with two thousand registered voters. Overwhelmingly, the American people, uh, want us to control the border. Uh, 76% of the American people want us to hire more border patrol. Um, 67% favor the Republican bill and part that's in the House. And part of the reason I wrote the newsletter was to say House Republicans ought to stand firm. Uh, there are a handful of Senate Republicans who are goofy. Uh, one of them has offered a proposal that after the first 3,000 people come in illegally each day. You could arrest people above 3,000. Well, that means you're accepting a million uh, Biden illegal immigrants every year before you do anything.
5: I mean, we have audio on that. We can play that right now if you like. Take a listen. The issue is not just
8: how we respond in the city of Chicago. It's the fact that we have a governor a governor, an elected official in the state of Texas that is placing families on buses without shoes, cold, wet, tired, hungry, afraid, traumatized, and then they come to the city of Chicago where we have homelessness, we have mental health clinics that have been shut down and closed, Mm -hmm. you have people who are seeking employment. The, The governor of Texas needs to take a look in the mirror of the chaos that he is causing for this country. This is not just a Chicago dynamic. He is attacking
4: our country. Really? That was the mayor of Chicago. Yeah.
5: Can you believe this? The mayor of Chicago attacking that he's suggesting that governor Abbott is attacking Americans. (laughs) Right. Unbelievable.
8: Where the left is. Look, the hard left identifies with illegal immigrants rather than with Americans. You know, there was a case that the New York Post reported of a 94-year-old Korean War veteran who had been kicked out of his assisted living so they could turn it over to illegal immigrants. Well, if you're in the left, that makes perfect sense. I mean, why, why, why would you favor a patriot in his 90s who defended America in the Korean War uh, when you could give it away to somebody who had broken the law, come here illegally, and was frankly demanding welfare? Uh, I mean, this whole thing is exactly upside down, but that's where the left is. So the left on a whole range of issues, the
5: left is upside down. In the meantime, you've got the people showing up at city hall meetings and they're, they're saying, we don't want to be a sanctuary city any longer here in Chicago. I mean, they, they're, they've had enough. And this guy's supposed to be representing them. They it's got what they
6: asked for. They sure <laughs> did, though. They really did. That's
8: why Mayor Adams, for example, in New York is now at 23 percent approval.
6: Yeah, uh, yeah. That's right. right.
8: Working.
5: You know, we only have a couple of minutes, but I would love to get your opinion on this uh, speaker we, the, you. You know, everyone knows you and you were responsible really for the contract with America. It was so successful. It was amazing. And and people believed you. They they wanted more of that. They they were they bought into it. They loved it. And you delivered. Then about a year ago, we had the House Rep, represent, uh, Republicans come out with their commitment to America. It kind of fizzled out. What was the difference? Why are we not seeing the support? I mean, we just saw it before recess, you know, with the um, FISA 702 and the, a couple of other things where we didn't have Republicans voting the way they really should have voted. What's going on here?
8: Well, I think a couple of things. First of all, when when the contract with America, we were, we were standing on Ronald Reagan's shoulders. True. Virtually everything in the contract was stuff Reagan had been campaigning on uh, since 1964, so the country understood it. It was thoroughly embedded, uh, and there were only ten things. I mean, the the the, the one great I, I admired very much, what Kevin McCarthy was trying to accomplish, but the biggest challenge with his commitment to America was they had 150 items. Well, nobody can understand <laughs> 150 items. <laughs> you five or 10 that are the most powerful. You stick with them, and you get them done. And uh, part of the reason that I wrote my most recent newsletter at Gingrich 360, which is available for free, is to say to House Republicans, you have a winning position on stopping Biden's illegal immigration program. Stick with it. Don't let the Senate browbeat you. Don't let the news media browbeat you. And say to Biden, if you want to get a bill through that that helps Ukraine and Israel, we want to get a bill through that helps America. And if you're not prepared to take care of the American border, we're not going to give you the money for other
6: countries' borders. I like that. How how important, and I, I've noticed this in your book, and I thoroughly agree, but if you could expand a little bit, how important is it for House Republicans to stop negotiating with uh, this or that Democratic senator and negotiate with President Biden himself and limit it to that?
8: Well, I've, I've always believed, and Kevin McCarthy did this very well in the debt ceiling fight, uh, the only person McCarthy would negotiate with was Biden. Yeah. I think Johnson ought to take the position that the only person he's going to negotiate with is Biden. Uh you know, <clears throat> it's it is virtually impossible to bring up a bill unless the speaker's willing to do it. I mean there are technically you could do it with a discharge petition, but that's very hard to do. And if I if I were the Republicans in the House, I would say we have a clear position. It is supported by three out of every four Americans, uh and we are not gonna back off. And if you want to help, and I say it this way, I'm, I'm very much for stopping Putin from winning in Ukraine. I think it'll be a disaster. I am very much for helping Israel destroy a terrorist organization that was cutting off the heads of babies. I think Hamas is evil. I think it needs to be destroyed. But I think we have a legitimate priority to say that defending America's border has to be part of any bill it's designed to defend Ukraine and Israel and draw the line straight with the Democrats and just say, you know, if, if you want to be the end, you're not, you're not going to get the money that you desperately want to get for Ukraine until you agree to control the border, period. And then wow. I'm very calm. I go on and do other things and say, you know, we can wait as long as we have to. We can wait till the presidential election <laughs> and have the presidential election be a referendum on should you take care of American border first?
5: Right. We win that absolutely about four to one. I agree with you hundred percent. We have to say, Jeffrey and I, we just we love you. Uh, former Speaker Newt Gingrich, uh, we appreciate you so much. Uh, your book, March to the Majority, is worth checking out. And also, I just want to plug America's new majority You can get a lot of information there. Uh, speaker, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hannity Show.
8: Let me wish both you and the audience. A Merry Christmas. Thank you.
5: And the same to you as well and your family. God bless. You're listening to The Sean Hannity Show, Jeffrey Lord, Rose Unplugged. We're going to come back with lots more. The phone number is (laughs) 800-941-SEAN, so call us. And we're going to actually talk. We have time to talk. We'll be back.
0: covers the real truth truth. about the politics of D.C. He's your watchdog on Big Brother every day. Hannity is on right now.
5: All right, this is the Sean Hannity Show. I'm Rose Unplugged, and I'm with Jeffrey Lord. Lord Thejeffreylord.com. Yep, and roseunplugged.com. Okay, so listen, we have one more hour with you. We're really happy about that. You can call us at 1-800-941-SEAN. I promise you we are going to take some phone calls next hour. And there's some other things we wanted to wrap up with. So make sure you stay with us. 1-800-941-SEAN. Jeffrey Lord. Rose Unplugged. We're here. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a good time with you. And, you know, I want to talk. We had a surprise visitor in the studio. So we'll talk about that, too, because that kind of relates to some of the other things I wanted to talk about. So stay with us on The Sean Hannity Show.
4: Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind.